0: The Dragonlance Nexus is proud to present the Dragonlance Canticle. Greetings, friends and fellow companions, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Dragonlance Canticle. Getting the heck out of Solace faster than people are leaving Twitter. I am Trampus Whiteman. Uh, I am, likewise,
1: fleeing Calaman because the Dragon Armies are on the march and Dargaard keeps not too damn far away. I'm John Ryan.
2: Hi, I'm Megan. You can still find me on Twitter, at Miss Megan J for the time being, as long as there is a Twitter. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And I'm Weldon Chen. I am secretly on Twitter, and there's three
3: different people. Um, can't name them, but, you know, you'll, you'll notice an effect when you'll see, like, trolls fighting each other at the same time, causing chaos and strife as everyone flees Twitter. (laughs) And that's our uh,
0: cast of characters for tonight, folks. As you can tell, we're recording this right after Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, and uh, there's all sorts of trauma there that I won't get into. You can, however, follow uh, the Dragonlance Nexus on Twitter at DL Nexus. So check us out there, and uh, we're all over the interwebs, so look for us wherever. It is been an interesting time. We are uh, just like two days away from the the early release version of of Shadows of the Dragon Queen uh, for anybody who ordered the big bundle and got the early access um, digital version. so looking forward to that coming out and to hear everybody's reactions. I'm certain reactions are going to be all over the board. Just ask that everybody be kind to each other. You know, remember that opinions about games and art and et cetera, et cetera, you know, it's all subjective. Also keep in mind that this is a time when new fans are going to be jumping on board and learning about Dragonlance for the first time. You know, I want to welcome them to hopefully get them to maybe read Chronicles, you know, look at some of the older adventures, some of the stuff we did with Margaret Weiss Productions and just have some fun. So uh, if you're new, welcome.
2: Yeah, Trampas. thanks for saying that. I wholeheartedly agree. There's going to be a lot of new people coming in, so it's really important that the existing Dragonlance fans um, sort of take on take on that role of oh you like the you like the new Dragonlance that's great here you know you can take a look at this stuff too you might like this also and say you know read chronicles or play in this adventure no need to no need to gatekeep or to make new Dragonlance fans feel like the version that that they like is 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 not as good because it's not the classic you know everybody has to start somewhere everybody has to have their introduction somewhere. And there's always room to learn and grow and expand um, your love of the setting. And also speaking of Twitter, um, I've heard this. I don't remember where I heard this. It was probably from somebody online, but you know, the, the people who create these, these Dragonlance, the the new Dragonlance book, they're on, they're on Twitter too. And they get tagged and things, or they get notifications when something gets tagged Dragonlance and they're people too. So, you know, be nice to the creators, both old and new. I think all the, all the game creators should be treated with respect, even if you don't like what they did. There's a place for constructive criticism. There's not a place for just tearing people down. Yeah, yeah. and for any fans and, and players out there, yeah, it,
3: it's keep in mind, when you go to a person's uh, the, the DM who's going to be playing the story, don't be rude to that DM. You don't go to his you know, painting of Elmore, you know, uh, of a dragon painting, and throw tomato soup on It's because you don't like Elmore, you're a silly. Be respectful, enjoy that he loves Elmore paintings while you love a different artist. And we're all here to have fun, play Draglance, and and be respectful of the fact that Wizards of the Coast may have their own ideas. Just don't throw tomato soup at them. Now Let them finish (laughs) the story they want to tell. Show you their version of Draglance, even though it won't be the same as yours. Just... Enjoy and find what you can take from their stuff for yourself. If you're going to
1: throw any soup, make sure it's chicken noodle because it's more clear (laughs) and won't damage and block out as much.
2: (laughs) And remember, we've got uh, the Tasselhoff's Patches of Everything Revised Edition is going to become available on the DM's Guild on, uh, well, the Dragonlance, the book is, or the, the setting is opening up on DM's Guild on December six so keep an eye out for tassel hops patches of everything it's a perfect way to integrate the the new dragon lance with the old dragon lance it's a it's a nice bridge between the two now, one of the
0: things i really love about uh all of us who work on the nexus you know i mean we all have different um viewpoints and uh opinions on things but where we kind of Gel is. It seems like we bring a bit of old and new to the table. You know, yeah, we're playing with fifth edition rules, but we're very much still using the heart of first and second and third edition Dragonlance products um, as our inspiration. It's just a lot of fun having that mixture there, and so I think you're going to find that with Tasselhoff's pouches of everything and uh, the Champions of Grand Adventure Path and, you know, all of our future endeavors as well, um, that we're going to bring to it what Margaret Weiss refers to as heart. You know, it's just going to be that love and passion for Dragonlance. And I I hope that comes through in our works, and I hope that's something that you all very much enjoy.
2: Well, speaking of love and passion, I don't know if this is a good segue or not, but we all love and are very passionate about our Dragonlance novels. So today, we are going to be talking about the the most recent Dragonlance novel, which we intended to speak about for quite some time now, but we finally managed to all get together and sit down and discuss it. Well, the four of us managed to get together and sit down and discuss it, and that is The Dragons of Deceit by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, the first novel in the new Dragonlance Chronicles, uh, no Dragonlance Destinies trilogy. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I just said that. Dragonlance okay. Destiny's trilogy. So we wanted to all just get together and share our thoughts. Our we've shared our thoughts in different podcasts and also on our on our lives our our Twitch live stream. Or on you can watch those on on YouTube. The Dragon our Dragonlance channel is our YouTube channel is Dragonlance Nexus. But we 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 haven't done an episode where a large group of us kind of got together and had a spoilerific discussion of dragons of deceit and now that i've said that this will be a spoiler filled episode so if you haven't read the novel yet and you don't want things spoiled stop listening come back once you're done and enjoy spoilerific Mm -hmm.
0: yes but you are obligated to come back
2: yes exactly by listening to me say that you that is you have entered into a binding contract whereby you very much so
1: (laughs) megan is shaking everybody's hand virtually as we speak (laughs)
2: So, Krampus, I know you you already participated in the uh, the spoiler-free episode that you and Chuck did together. But let, I'd like to start with you, if you don't mind. Uh-oh. Just to get your sort of initial... I mean, that's not initial thoughts. It's been out for a few months now. But just, just sort of a, <laughs> a broad opinion. Let's get broad opinions first, and then we will dive into the things that we didn't like and into the criticisms that we had and what we want to see going forward. So, oh give gosh. me... Tell, tell me your broad... Sort of general opinion.
0: Okay. Um, well, let's see. Uh, overall, I really like this book. I'm not going to say it's Weiss and Hickman's best book, but, you know, definitely not the worst book. And it's just a darn good book in all. Reading this felt like coming home. And it's a strange. I I can't quantify it beyond that. I, I don't know what specifically about it makes it feel like coming home. It's Dragonlance and. At least thus far we we don't have any cringe shattering events. Um, at least maybe not until the very end. You know, we're we're just seeing this tale. We're getting a I, I, I think what I really liked is that with the focus on Destina, we're getting to know her character a lot better than we do with some of the heroes of the Lance. So yeah, one of the things I really liked about this book is that with Destina, we get a deep dive into her character you know when we're dealing with the companions um, yeah we get to learn about all the characters but we don't get that deep dive since there's so many of them and since they're going in different directions you know it's interesting how it's kind of coming of age in essence we have someone who starts off at at their height and uh, she falls hard and, um, she gets obsessed with the idea of, um, you know, using the t- device of time turning to get her dad back and to restore her home. And she gets so obsessed with it that she acts in a way that goes against the measure that she holds dear.
2: Yeah. She kind of starts off as this very, very likable character, but she's a very likable character, but she's also kind of had it easy in her life, we might say. You know, she's from a, a wealthy family, a powerful family, everything has been... she She wants to join, she wants to become a knight, but she can't. But for the most part, you know, she's had everything she needed in her life. And then she falls from her position of power, loses her money, loses her father. Her mother goes off to to be a a druid or a cleric. And she sort of starts to become, she starts to make questionable decisions. And by the end of the book, she's completely lost. And just playing with forces that she can't understand because she's so caught up in her own grief. And that makes her, it makes her relatable in a way, but also it's sort of harder to, to like her you know, yeah,
0: I didn't like her at all at the end of the book, um, but I realized that's what made her a good character because she's not infallible. She makes very human mistakes. You know, truly, this story is a story of grief and how we handle grief, and she doesn't handle it very well,
2: right? John, you yeah. know a lot about the device of time journeying, right? <laughs> uh, you know
1: my my alter ego. Um, Erevan Moonwhisper knows more about it, but yes, yes, I do.
2: Why don't you share your uh, your general thoughts with us, John?
1: Like Trampus, um, overall, I really liked the book. Um, there were a couple questionable things um, that happened throughout. that, that we We'll get to, to those um shortly. But my my general consensus is that it was a, a really good book. Not their best, but. For, for not having a new Dragonlance book in you know so many years, it did feel really good to have a new book. And I got it on Audible, um, and I got two copies of the hardcover—one at Gen Con, one at the uh, local store—and uh, you know, so I'm I'm invested in the story, and so far have loved it. Um, I can't wait to see what happens next.
2: And Weldon, how about you? I know you have a lot of I know you have a lot of thoughts on this book. Yeah,
3: well, uh, I'll, I'll save people the um, amounts of crazy women to me up with crazy ideas that I shared with um, John and Megan. They had to like sit through politely, going, Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. It's kind of okay. It's a theory. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very politely uh, collecting my thoughts. Uh, we are polite. Yeah. <laughs> when I first started, it just got me right in, like in the first paragraph. It started. Started going into just. I really love the part of like just how Margaret and Tracy go into the history of of the mm-hmm. As a little girl, what she goes through. Um, she's the daughter of a knight who you know is very very progressive and says, "I want to make you a knight, but because I can't, I will make you. You know, the head of the household after I'm gone. You will be, you know, the lady of Castle Lewis. Yeah, and she, she accepts it. It's like, you know, that's not fair if, you know, as a little girl, okay, but I have the responsibility of my family. Now. And so that kind of like built up very well, like her nobility, what she wants. You look at her as a, as a sad kind of facing character because she's going to marry a family in town who actually has money that will actually help her, um, you know, her, help her castle deal with repairs and stuff like that. I mean, she finds her, you know, her future fiancé, you know, handsome, you know, she may not be totally in love with him, but, you know, that's part of what she needs to do is, as, you know, the daughter and future lady of the king. And so there's this feeling of, like, great nobility in her, self-sacrificing everything that her dad teaches her about, um, you know, Salamnic Law and, and the Oath and, and Parts of the Measure. So I thought that was beautiful, and then Margaret or Tracy start taking that away. It's like, here's the War of the Lands. Here's a bunch of goblins and a bunch of hobgoblins who are going to destroy the city while her father's away. My criticism on that for the details is it didn't feel enough that a lot of the women and backup knights were protecting the castle. I felt there should have been more of her as a leader already as a leader, you know, helping to defend the castle. She does, uh, but as as a novice. If you have any kind of character that I would really want to know more about, it's her mom. Her mom seems to be like already well-invested, and I want to know what happens to her when she goes back to her homeland. I mean, she bears, basically meets a young knight, falls instantly in love. They go get married against her parents' wishes. They have the Sina, and... This character was in the beginning very fretful of the future. She needs a lot of omens, and you, you might have seen it in in the beginning previews. And this character is actually very, very skilled. She she's like you know, as mentioned, she becomes a druid, and you can see almost like a contrast between how her mother deals with grief and still learns to be helpful to others. While Destina is getting more lost and sorrowful over the loss of her dad. Like, like Trappist and John, you know, said it. This is about grief and not properly dealing with it and, and getting into a, I want to say a vortex of depression and grief on thinking what you can do. And so when she reads about the time during device, yeah, she thinks let's do this. Let's find a way to change time. And you, you can think of it like the insanity of this. I am going to go back in time and change time so that my father will be alive. (laughs) Just think of that sentence. That's just pure crazy. But she sees it as a way that she can actually do this. And she
2: actually tries to start toward that path of finding it. And you're going, wow. I feel like um, part of what makes Destina interesting, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, Weldon, is that you talk about the way that her mother versus the way that Destina um, sort of both respond to their grief and you know obviously they both feel the loss very very strongly but her mother is able to sort of take that grief and channel it into something you know channel it into the the next step of her life whereas Destina kind of gets stuck Um and it's like yes. Destina is I feel like Destina's identity is so wrapped up in her father that without her father she doesn't quite know who she is and you would think that she would try to carry on her father's legacy by living up to the ideals that her father believed in. But she's so lost without the man that she's kind of uh, forgetting what that man stood for. And I feel like that's kind of what sets her down this, down this dark path where she is messing with, like we said, these, the device of time journey and then later, um, the gray gem. These are probably the two most powerful artifacts that exist. On Kryn, and she's playing with them as if they are just you know means to an end for her, and she's just mm-hmm, well right. my grief is so strong, I want my father back, so I'm going to risk everybody to get what I want, and that's probably why Destina feels so unlikable, even if we even if we understand unlikable in a good way, I mean she's written to be unlikable. My sort of response, and this is echoing what what you all have said is. When I first got this book, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from it. I was kind of like worried that Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman were going to try to sort of try to recapture the lightning in a bottle of, of the, the most classic Dragonlance. And I feel like they did a really good job by trying something different, writing a story that's much more focused on a single character and sort of this, this one character's arc. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm older now, you know, I'm, not a teenager anymore, like I was when I originally read The Chronicles, but it felt it felt like the right direction for them to go in and I think for those of us who read Chronicles or read the the novels when we were younger and now we're all you know less young than we were before, it's probably really really tailored to an audience like us. I think they really did a really good job creating a novel for the long term fans.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's reflected on the logo. You know, you look at it and it says "Classic Dragonlance." I'm like, wow, they did such a good job with that logo. And no, yeah. no red dragon. Goodbye and good <laughs> <roots>. <laughs> I love
2: the I love the whole classic Dragonlance idea because I love the idea that you know there's this new Dragonlance that's coming out that we can enjoy, and that there's classic Dragonlance that we can enjoy, and we can enjoy both, and they don't have to. You know, they don't have to clash. It's okay to like, you know, two different things for, two, for different reasons.
1: Yeah, they mm-hmm. they don't intersect whatsoever. Um, the, this new novel series and the new adventure. You know, nothing is going to affect one from the other, um, at all. And and that's perfectly fine.
2: So it's like double the Dragonlance that you get to enjoy. So I think right, that's
1: a good thing. right. You don't you don't need two different versions of the same story. That would be kind of boring and a waste of time um in my opinion so i th- i would much rather have two original stories that are completely independent of one another mm-hmm.
2: so i want to ask everybody is there any cuz there's a couple we get a couple new characters in this novel obviously there's the the classic uh the classic heroes of the lance do make a return we've got caramon and tika as um sort of a supporting cast Tasselhoff, obviously um and then the the whole the whole group when they travel back in Travel back in time to the night that the companions met back up at the end of the last home. But what do you guys think of the of the new characters? Is there uh, any new characters that really stood out to you that you're you're hoping to see more of? So, Destina's journey takes her into Thorbarden, and she introduces
3: Hornfell and um, you know, several other these dwarves that I absolutely love. Like there's there's this one guy, he is like literally. Hornfell is like right hand man. And you know, he he's like, I wanna know more about this character. What has he done in his life? You know, Wolfstone, he has done such interesting stuff. He's he saw the gray gem back when he was um young with Hornfell. And so he's involved in trying to basically find out what's going on. And you know, Rorick's in, in the in the form of uh in the form of Duke, uh, Dugan Redhammer, basically tells him, like, all right, this is the Grey Gem. There's other things that are afoot that are affecting Destina's destiny here, and you're going to have to help her
2: as much as you can.
3: Well, that I think he's, a,
2: he's ripe for a spin off novel, I think. John, do you have yeah. any uh, characters that stick out in your mind that you really liked?
1: Um, yeah, I, I really like, like Weldon. I can't wait to uh, hopefully... Read more about um, Destina's mother. Uh, she was very interesting. I've always been a fan of druid characters, and we don't really see a lot of that in Dragonlance. So uh, I'm really, uh, I hope we see more of her and uh, and her kind of order of druids. You know, to see what that looks like in Dragonlance. And uh, you know, the the dwarf was also intriguing. Although I feel like. You know, for being on the cover, uh, his time in the book was very short. I was expecting, after we met with him, that he would continue to travel with Destina for the rest of the book. Uh, so I was surprised when his uh, his involvement was cut as short as it was. Uh, I, th- I thought he was a pretty cool character.
2: Yeah, I liked him a lot, too. And I feel the same way that I was. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see more. Because I feel like he was a really interesting character. and. But I suppose the way that the novel wrapped up with uh, Destina, Tass, Reislin, and Sturm all traveling back in time, maybe they felt that you know four characters going off on this journey through time was enough characters. They didn't want to add on a fifth one necessarily. But yeah. it would it would be nice to see more of him. I hope that he'll make a return. Maybe he'll have a uh, you know maybe he'll have a triumphant comeback in the third novel, especially if if there's a lot of feedback that the that the readers liked him. He could he could make a return. And Trampas, how about you? How do you feel about the new characters?
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to mirror what everyone else said. I liked Wolfstone. Uh, I thought he needed more screen time. Destina's mom, I thought, was an amazing character, and I'd like to hear more about her. You know, it, it would be a shame if Destina somehow managed to get her dad back and in the process killed her mom, you know, that. That-
2: Trampas, wow. that's so dark. <laughs> to
0: <me>. I know.
2: <laughs> You're bumming me out, Trampas I,
3: <laughs>
0: I I'm I'm writing the next novel, Dragons of Ah. <laughs> um but the uh <laughs> the um other one y'all haven't mentioned though, um and I am having a brain fart, I apologize, the dragon.
2: Uh Sabre?
0: Sabre. I like Sabre and uh he's what a copper dragon right so yep um uh, i I really thought he was uh a cool character, and uh you know of course he just likes all sorts of gaudy fake jewels and such, and it's like you know you're all right with me you you don't want necessarily the uh uh Richest, most expensive thing. You just want the pretty things, and that that's fine. So he's like the uh, the kinder of dragons.
2: Mm. As somebody as somebody who also likes tacky jewelry, I can I can fully appreciate <laughs> where he's coming from. If I had my own dragon horde, it'd be full of like costume jewelry. I don't need diamonds and rubies. Just give me stuff that's flashy. <laughs>
3: there you go.
2: But he's another one of those characters where I feel like I I would have liked I would have liked more of him. I think I was definitely. Uh, a yes. good idea to include a dragon character in the novel, and uh, I think that one of Dragonlance's strong suits is the way that dragons are portrayed as characters in the novels. Yes, um, like they're, For they're sure. not just an enemy to fight or just sort of um, you know a mount to ride on. They're they're actually like the friends of the characters, and they contribute to the story. And I think they did a good job carrying on that tradition with Saber. I do hope that we will see more of him. I hope that we'll see some interesting dragon characters when we get to the second book and we're in the, and when we're back during the third dragon war, like,
3: but I wanted to ask, when was it? Uh, a hundred
2: years ago. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs>
3: cool.
2: Is there any like particular, um, scenes that really jumped out in anybody like scenes that you really, that you really liked, or maybe, even if it's not a specific scene, a sort of like a story arc or a theme that you really enjoyed. Um, so,
1: I really liked you know it, it, that they they at the end of the book, destino was kind of a character you you love to hate because she was just doing some bad things for a pretty selfish reason, and personally, I felt that kind of uh mirrors um Anakin Skywalker from star wars uh it, he's trying to do the thing to save the person that they love the most. But they're just going about it the wrong way and uh, end up getting trapped in this kind of, you know, cycle of not making good choices um, to get to you know the point that they want to get to.
2: I liked um, my two favorite scenes are they're they're two completely separate scenes, but I liked them both kind of for the same reason, and that they both hint at really sort of interesting ideas that I feel like are going to be developed later in the series. The first one is when. Delamar is is using that magical clock to kind of look into the future, and he sees time like stopping where the chaos war happens, and that that opens up like so many vistas of possibility. Like, are they going to prevent the chaos war? Is it are they? Is it going to change? Is it going to happen earlier? Is it going to? Well, actually, looking forward like that. Things about Delamar. (laughs) It's like
3: okay, if Delamar saw all this. He knows the future, he knows what's gonna happen. I, I I... in The camp, I know what does this mean? Oh my god, you know, down had to keep that secret,
1: or maybe Fizman steps in at the end of the trilogy and says, You will not remember any of this.
2: <laughs> oh, great,
0: yeah,
2: it was all a dream. I, I remember,
0: <laughs> I remember reading that scene, and my jaw just dropped. I'm like, He knew, he knew what was coming. And and he didn't tell anybody. Well, he told uh, Jesterius, but, you know, the thing is, is the two of them knew. And so what did they do about it? And, you know, even if they put things into place to help them to, to know and to prepare for what was coming, whatever they did, it failed. Unless time changes.
2: Well, that's the big sort of what if question, because we know that this We've got the divisive time journey and the gray gem together. So sort of all bets are off in terms of is this a different timeline? Is time going to be changed? Maybe, you know, maybe this, this version of events that we're seeing where Delamar and Justarius are forewarned about the chaos war, maybe this is kind of a, you know, a split off parallel timeline, like the 1980, the, like the alternate 1985 from Back to the Future too. Yeah, maybe Destina yeah. is going to change something that'll make it so. So Dalamar and Justarius have foreknowledge of the War of Chaos and are able to prevent it somehow. And um, and then there's no no Chaos War, no Age of Mortals, no War of Souls. Yeah. So so John, Megan, you ready to for me to revisit crazy like, theories a Wellness before <laughs> before you dive into your crazy theory? Let me talk about the other scene that I really liked. Um, okay, was. This is the very end when we have Sturm, Raceland, Destina, and Tasselhoff. I'll go back in time to the Third Dragon War, because to me, I love the I love the pairing of Raceland and Sturm together, because they're I I feel like the two characters are very alike in a lot of ways, but they have such different worldviews that they can never quite get along, and it would be really nice to see a relationship between the. Like a, a, a relationship of mutual respect developed between the two of them that we never got to see Um in yeah. Autumn Twilight, and then of course Sterm Sturm died. There is there is a scene in Dragons. <laughs> there is a scene what? in Dragons of Summer Flame that is one of my favorite scenes in Dragonlance, where S- Raceland is talking to Steel Steel Bright Blade, Sturm's son, and he's Raceland is telling Steel that. He learned after Sturm's death that Sturm had never been a knight, um, until the very end, and that Sturm had been essentially lying to everybody about or at least deceiving by omission, um, about his status as a knight of Salamia. And at first Steele is like, Well, you think that means he was a, a liar and a bad guy just like you and Racelin says, No, it he he made a promise. That nobody would have held him to. There was no consequence for breaking that promise, but he kept it anyway because he—that's just who he was. And I think that that line shows that there is a great deal of respect, potential for respect, and if not friendship, at least you know cooperation and understanding between the two characters. So that's what I'm most for- excited for going forward: is to see uh, Sturm and Raclin becoming, dare I say? Huma and Magius. Best oh, yes. friends. The forever.
0: You know, it occurs to me that the the real Huma and Magius may land up dying, and uh, boy, I'm all about death today. And um, <laughs> that Sturm and um, Raceland may have to create that legend themselves, you know. And, and of course, we have two instances of the uh, Staff of Magius. Back in this time too, so that could be all sorts of fun.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if they can talk to each other. Like if the two staffs can kind of sync up.
3: No, no. There was there was. This is my fourth reading of this book. There was something about two beings or items being together at the same time. You can't do that. That was a rule that uh, that was presented in this book. So the staff of mages. It's still one staff of mages. It is either with Raceland or is either with mages, but there can't be two at the same time. Just like the Grey can't be two at the same time. And just well, like then, Tasselhoff was not meeting another Tasselhoff when they were together with, um, Janice and Caraman and
2: everyone at, you know, at the night of the air with Golden Riverwood. Well, then I'm going to give you two minutes to tell us your theory about the timeline in <laughs> well. So, okay, prepare, you. prepare yourselves Dar-dee. for levels of now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, I have read this book four times, now, and I am coming to the belief that this is not the same timeline as Chronicles. Um, and the reason why I started going down this this weird, you know, realm of insanity, I admit, was. I was reading the book, and I noticed no draconians. Absolutely none. I I, I got the book, but I also got the PDF version, um, the Audible version. So I could actually do a word search of the word draconian in this book. And there was only one time it was ever mentioned. That was, uh, you know, when um, they went back in time, they saw Tika who would eventually be smacking draconians with her skillet. And that is the only reference to any draconians. And so I'm going, like, that is weird. For a Dragonlance book, not to have draconians, you know, in something like, say, The War of the Lance, you don't see them being mentioned in any way. That's like taking away one of the pillars of Dragonlance. It's kind of very, very particular. And so I thought, oh, wait a minute. What if we're in a timeline where draconians don't exist? What if something... In this timeline, changed where the draconians, uh, you know, maybe the dragon eggs were all rescued, or maybe not even stolen. So that changes the future. And in this timeline, the Sina may not be the same. As Sina. the Estina may actually have a father who lived in in you know what we know as a regular chronicles, and that led me to thinking. All right. So, guys, feel free to reread this book thinking about this, that this is now a different timeline. How anything could be changed because someone went back in the... So, we're talking about, say, if you want to think about War of Souls, where Raceland and Hasselhoff jumped back in time. There's a reference where they saw Huma and they saw just together and they jumped to a different point in time. What if that could have been the change in the timeline from War of Souls? Or
2: we could be thinking of a change in time from Justina and her actions. Wow. Okay. Well, then you've hit your two minutes. Uh-oh. That actually folds us into what I wanted to talk about next, which is issues that we had with the book. And I know that one of the issues oh. that we all we all pointed out is sort of like continuity issues, like where things don't quite match up. Um, and one of those things that he's able to see from Castle Rosethorn, he's able to see the High Clarice Tower and the Targaard Mountains, and it's like, where could you stand that you could see both of those places? Or that's like saying I could see the Appalachian Mountains and the Mississippi River just in one spot.
3: Well, if you're Legolas, you can. <laughs> well, I don't have elf <laughs> eyes. Yeah, I see. Gosh. I um, barely yeah. have human
1: eyes. I can't hear <laughs> the uh, end of my house from the other. So I know that was an also, issue.
2: There was an issue with the point. map. What was what was the issue with the map? Was it Naraka wasn't where it's supposed to isn't where it's supposed to be? Um, and then
0: yeah, I I think um, I think the new uh, Dragonlance source book coming out or adventure book coming out is the Kelvin timeline of Dragonlance.
2: Yeah, that could be true. <laughs> could be, yeah. <laughs> uh, and in this version of Dragonlance, Stern plays Stern plays sabotage when he's charging up the stairs to fight Kitty R at the top of the High Claris Tower. <laughs> <laughs> um but let let's discuss the the one thing that everybody under the sun has noticed and pointed out and I noticed it on my first reading and everybody did too. Let's uh so you guys are you guys are all Dragonlance experts. How long before the War of the Lance does the third dragon war take place? How many years in between those two wars?
1: around f- 13 to 1400 years i believe
2: oh, that sounds right to me anybody anybody yep. have any objections to that number no yeah so more than a century i guess is what you're saying yet yeah, this yeah, book contains yeah. a a comment in which a certain character his it, it's described that his ancestors came to Salamnia during the third dragon war a century ago now yeah this makes no sense whatsoever. No matter how you bend the timeline, I don't think that makes any sense. There's no way that the Third Dragon War could happen between the Cataclysm and the War of the Lands. What? Let I me think ask you a was question. A, I, think a slip, I think it was a slip of the keyboard they meant to type millennia instead of, you yeah. three. <laughs> well, okay, let me... Millennia solves everything. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Let me ask a question, because it's been a little while since I've read this. When they said 100... Or you know, did it say century? Was it spelled out A hundred? Or was it the, yeah, the number one hundred?
2: No, it was the word century.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think you know, you're typing you're you're thinking millennium, but your fingers type out century. It gets missed in the editing process, and Dragonlance nerds like us make fun of it forever and ever.
3: Right. Um, so
1: yeah, Tracy and Margaret. Hi, uh, um, we at the Dragonlance Nexus are available um, for for some consulting, proofreading. If uh, you want to send it send it our way, we'd be happy to help. Yeah,
3: with. yeah,
2: we would love to. You know, give us an advanced copy. We'll go through it, with we'll fine tooth poems I mean, we, it, it by no means ruins the book. Uh, it it's easy to see what they meant, and that this was just a simple mistake. It's not meant to be. You know, it's not meant to change the whole story. Um,
3: yeah, I, I honestly,
1: I didn't even notice the first time I read it. It did stick out the second time I went through the book. Um, I was like, wait a tick. Um, but the first time I was just so happy because it, it happens early in the book. And I was just flying through the pages um, <laughs> that it, it didn't even occur to me the first time. So it's <laughs> it's definitely not something that breaks the story or ruins Ruins Dragonlands for me, um, and not at all. Uh, but there, there were a few things um, that that I I did notice um, upon first reading that kind of stuck out to me. Um, back to the map. There's a, a few places on the map that are misspelled. Um, and we had even been asked to look over the map for uh, any kind of errors and sent in suggestions of errors that were found, Um, but unfortunately they did not make it into the the final version of the book, apparently, uh, because the errors are still there. And it just seemed like it was kind of common knowledge that the god Chaos was trapped in the Grey Gym. Um, It was mentioned more than once that the god of chaos was trapped in the gray gym, not just an essence of chaos or that a wee bit of chaos, as Dugan uh, likes to call it. But it it seemed like it was you know everybody, the brother and the cook knew that mm-hmm. the god of chaos was fully trapped in the gray gym.
2: I mean, they didn't and even they, know that. That's that's not even in a in one bet when Dugan and the Mazer boys go go to retrieve it. Then. They don't suggest that it's all of chaos. Right. It's just but a wee they, bit. They added that for when Summer Flame came out.
1: Exactly. Um, and speaking of Dugan, um, it was also seemed like it was pretty common knowledge that he was reorks. You know, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. do the do Boy. But no, don't, don't, that's a twist at the end. It's going back to Wanna Bet again. That's a twist at the end of that story.
1: Um, and finally, the. Uh, the 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 little uh, Easter egg of the hand of Vecna and Arkhan the Cruel being mentioned. <laughs> um, I, I know that Wizards of the Coast is going for a more multiverse approach. I just wasn't expecting it uh, from the novel.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a shout a shout out to Joe Joe Manganiello who has done so much to keep Dragonlance sort of uh, vital in in the wider world. While we all toil. Uh, behind the scenes. He's been out there repping Dragonlance. So I mean that's yeah, a good thing. I, I like that he's doing wanna... that. So I don't hold it against them wanting to give him a little Easter egg. Yeah.
1: I yeah. I, I would have if if they would have said if they would have mentioned Ark and the Cruel, that would have been, you know, one thing, but I think to throw the the name of Vecna um you know being in a, a from another world and the realm of Dragonlance has been so kind of against Intermingling with other worlds in in the lore and novels for for so long, it just kind of that did throw me out of the story a little bit. I sat there and I was like, "Huh, oh,
3: that's... <sighs> no, no,
1: that's no, no,
0: no." <laughs> I
1: understand. I do understand that it was a shout out to their friend Joe, and you know, I've I've met Joe at a convention a couple times, um, and he is a great dude, uh, a fantastic ambassador for D and D and Dragonlance. So it's no shade to uh, to Joe, no shade to the authors. It just it
0: took me out of it for a second. It did yeah. not me at all. I mean, I, I, um, so I read that, and, well, first of all, I, I got to tell you a little secret here. I think I can say this now. You know, I did get an advanced reader copy of the book, and so as I'm reading it, uh, I noticed there's a typo in Archon's name. So I thought to Margaret and Tracy about it real quick. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to be spelled this way and they managed to get a change in time to go to print, so very pleased very with cool. that. I don't know, for me it's like it, it's just a nice nod that yes, there is this multiverse out there, you know it, it reminds me of the days of the Wizards 3 when Dalimar and Elminster and Keenan or Keenan however you pronounce it, um, all met at Ed Greenwood's place. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I miss those stories those uh, little comic strips. Let's
1: yes. uh, I,
2: I want to talk quickly about um so these are we've all agreed these are kind of you know small smallish issues, whether it's a mistake or whether it's a little Easter egg what What about the story that was clearly you know a part of the story intentionally? Would you have some criticisms with and rap and, and would like to see that either done differently in the next book? I think it was well then that convinced me that I might be wrong in this in this opinion, but the first the first read through I was like. Tasselhoff is so stupid like why (laughs) can he not get it through his head that Mary the Kender and Destina are two separate are are the same person I'm like he knows about magic like why does this have to be explained to him a hundred times why can't he get it and I think it was Weldon that said you know while he's under the effect of a love spell that's kind of addling his brain or a friendship spell or whatever it was. Um, so I guess I can see that, but when I think of Tasselhoff, I think the best version of Tasselhoff is, is Tasselhoff from the Legends trilogy, where he's like a really, he's really like capable and self-assured and understands what his responsibilities are. And I think that arc from Tass at the beginning of Autumn Twilight to Tass at the end of Test of the Twins is one of the best character arcs. In all of Dragonlance. And I feel like that continues through into Dragons of Summer Flame. But in the later novels, uh, he starts to get a bit sillier and sillier and sillier. And then in this novel, I felt like he, he'd he gone from stupid. He's gone from silly to stupid. And that I did not like. It was painful at times.
0: There was one Tess moment that I absolutely loved, though. And I'm reading this and I realized Tess got married. And I'm just <laughs> laughing my butt off about, you know, here's Destina posing as a kinder, and she lands up getting married to Tasselhoff Burfoot, and I'm just laughing at the stupid kinder logic and marriage ceremony, and that was all just a bit of good fun, and I I, you, I just laughed for so long, it wasn't funny.
1: <laughs> I, I did enjoy that part. It was, uh, it was outrageous and over-the-top, and, and I liked it. I agree
2: that it's lot. funny. It, it's a funny idea. It's funny at the beginning, but I feel like it sort of outlives its funniness as the story goes on.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way she uses him as Mary is is reflective of how far off the track she is as a, as a solemnic um, person of the measure. I mean, she basically lies. Lies and lies and lies and, lies and tricks and fools people. That no, yeah. no knight would ever do. And I think that's the reason why I liked that scene, not for the funniness of it. I mean, I agree with Megan. My first read of it was like, wow, Tasselhoff is just being played for pure comedy, you know. And and he doesn't seem like the wise and soul he should be in this case. And I mentioned it in a previous uh, canticle that uh, my second reading, I came to realization this plays a lot better. If he is insane because the magic is affecting his logic. And I would recommend someone, if you want to reread this section in that view and see if that changes him. I thought that was silly. Um, I, I, the rule about a tender getting married because a ring stays on you for like more than a period of time. Now you're itched. <laughs> I'm just going like, wow, is that how quickly it goes? So. Well, maybe that most like, never
2: keep a rainbow for they two weeks.
3: You know, I, and I'm going like, you know, if he's under the influence of a spell and that is just a story that hurts you, and he's just going along with it as an excuse to get married, I ah, okay, I'll dig that. Is there anything what else? What really, that- really affects me is a story that is some of the stuff at the end of the book that just blows my mind. I mean, you know, when when Sturm and Raceland go back and talk, basically the Magirs were visited by a character we had never seen before, called the Keeper of Souls. And I'm going, like, Who the Mother? Where did this character come from? Like, she's very, very powerful. She realizes that, you know, it's, it's almost like a, di- a deity. She knows that Raceland and Sturm are supposed to be dead, not dead, and you know that they don't exist anymore. They're they're kind of like their souls aren't with her, and I'm going like, wow, I have no idea who this character is. This is like a new god we've never met before, and and you know I, I would love to have a further explanation from Tracy Margaret who this person is. I am suspecting this might be needed.
2: Wow, well, that's an interesting idea.
3: Yeah. And I'm going like, what if in this timeline Mina is not asleep as she was in War of Souls? What if she is awake? And this is her job. This is the di- deity's new job. And this is her. And she's playing a role saying, you know, something's happened with these two. You better warn everyone else that this needs to be fixed. So I did. I, I would was taken
2: aback by that scene. And it's just yeah. like, Grim, Grim Reaper type character just knocks on the door of the inn and is like, "Here, let me, let me, uh, let me provide some exposition to you." Okay, I'm done. Yeah. And bye. Yeah. Um, I really hope that they, they, I really hope that they make that pay off in the, in the, in the next novels. Because if it's just like a one and done, here's some random all powerful character to just deliver a little bit of explanation to the audience. That's kind of, that's kind of weak. Um, but is there anything else that anybody wants to say before we wrap up? this episode. Does anybody have any final thoughts? Um, positive, I mean, negative, other?
0: One thing that I really liked with the, uh, great Jim is that mention of how a little chaos escaped. And I'm here like that alone can mess up everything. And it likely mm-hmm. will. I don't think that's random. So how it'll affect everything. Who knows? But, uh, if that little bit of chaos lands up traveling with Destina, you know, hidden from all, it could have serious repercussions on the timeline.
2: John, do you have any final thoughts?
1: I think the book had a great build. Uh, Destina evolved within the span of one book. Usually it takes a trilogy of books for a character to really do much dramatic, you know, kind of evolution and change. So the fact that they were able to make her go from, you know, a, a young noble woman with the the heart of a knight to, by the end of the book, she's she's messing with forces that she does not understand and should not be messing with in a pretty selfish, I need my daddy back. Screw the world in the meantime. Uh, As long as I get my dad back, that's all that matters. Going against everything that her father would have taught her. I I think it's a great, I I think she makes a great character so far. My only other thing I didn't like is as I'm reading this book, you know, I've been playing D and D since the late eighties. So as I'm reading these Dragonlance novels, I always kind of equate things to gaming. And it just seemed like it was really, really easy for someone that may be a fifth level character, uh, as like Destina to come across two major artifacts and acquire them in the hand of, you know, two sessions of game time. But It drove the story, uh, so, you know, I understand why they did it. It drove the story to where it needed to be. It just seemed a little too convenient and and too easy for her to get these two major artifacts. Um, But by the end of the book, you know, everything was falling into place, and the the revelations, the story, the where it went was just leaving my jaw on the ground, and I can't wait to see what happens uh, next August when the next book comes out.
2: And Weldon, do you have any last thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm basically repeating almost everything that um, John said. Um, I think the only thing I'd want to say going forward, because I know there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be reading this and they're going to love and hate all the contradictions that they're reading in here. My advice is to, is to basically enjoy it for what it is. It's a story told by storytellers. Sometimes they can get it wrong. Uh, Sometimes there's like a little bit of embellishment. You heard Tracy talk about Kendertales. And be open to these kind of changes. I mean, if there's minor changes that they don't like, like Tiamat is not Tacosus or (laughs) Tacosus is not, you know, Tiamat or is Tiamat, depending on, you know, whether you talk to Margaret or uh, Wizards of the Coast. Again, like in the beginning of um, of this podcast, it's all about respect. It's about knowing that they're just storytellers. Uh, they're human. And uh, best yet, take what they give you and you know make it a part of you. Make it a part of what you enjoy about Draglands. And you can take this book and have fun with it like I'm going to be doing in, in future messages to the Draglands Nexus Facebook page on all my theories of
2: crazy. And my last thought is that I I was a little up and down while I was reading it. There was parts that I really liked and there was parts that I was not so thrilled about, but when it all came together at the end with Destina and Tasselhoff traveling back to the night that the companions reunited, that really sent a thrill through my soul. Cause when, uh, Trampus mentioned at the beginning when it felt like coming home again, I mean, Mm that, that is the, the homecoming of all homecomings. When those friends get back together at the end of the last home at the beginning of, of Autumn Twilight and it was fantastic to see to see that moment again after, you know, nearly forty years. Well, it hasn't been forty years for me, but to see yeah. that moment again and to see those characters all sort of in their prime again. And and then and then for the the setup for the next novel, with the group having gone back to the third Dragon War, which is an era that Margaret and Tracy haven't really haven't really done. I mean it's been done in other works, but not really by them. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited for the next book and I'm really eager to see what, what develops. So in in the sense that this is a first novel of a trilogy, I think they really did a great job of making me excited to read the next two novels. And now that we've got sort of all our pieces in place, I feel like there's, I'm ready to jump into the story for the next two novels.
1: Yeah. I think um, the, the, uh, the end part, for that fateful night, like seen from a slightly different angle. You know, you're not seeing it from the companion's view. You're seeing it from an outsider's view as they're watching. And then seeing that things aren't quite right. And it just leaves you wondering what the hell is going to happen. Like, where's fisben Where's what's happening? Because it's not going like it's supposed to. So, um, those questions are, was forefront in my mind of you know the differences between the slight differences between this book and the original chronicles.
2: What if Fizban had walked into the inn and introduced himself as Bahamut? What if he walked in <laughs> with the with the canaries? <laughs> Can you imagine?
3: <laughs> my lord.
2: <laughs> well, the questions, yeah. Where is he? Why we're is gonna, he? We're going to have to save point. that for another for another episode, though, to to hash At- that out. Go ahead, Tramis
0: that point that it isn't the continuity in the book that has changed, but in the real world, because there is no way that Margaret and Tracy are going to put Bahamut (laughs) and the seven golden canaries in that book. Something's definitely wrong with our world. And I, I, I imagine it has something to do with a little bit of chaos, which would also explain Twitter.
2: Maybe uh well, maybe Weldon travels back in time and uh and tampered with the timeline
0: Weldon traveled back in time, trying to explain his uh his theory it drove everyone nuts
2: and margaret they they because of Weldon's influence in in nineteen eighty three they decided not to include draconians in the in the novels in fact, has anybody gone back and reread the novel since they read dragons of deceit maybe maybe the draconian Draconians have vanished from the old novels as well. Yes, well, time has been altered.
3: Yeah, but worthy well, chaos, huh? <laughs> and are the Urda, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's to we can find out. To, uh, <laughs>
1: no minotaurs, no centaurs. What are we well, doing? Why, no,
3: no why is Weldon Chen the richest? Why is Chen the richest multi-billionaire <laughs> in, the, in the world? Is taking that's over like, Twitter? <laughs> trying to get everyone <laughs> to make a drag last <laughs>
2: week? Why? <laughs> this is weird.
1: Hey, Weldon, remember your friends when you are uh, the wealthiest <laughs> billionaire in the world.
2: Yeah, we want i Until the Dragonlance movie gets, the gets Dragon the way. Movie.
1: I, I think your ideas are great, Weldon.
2: We should all get executive uh, producer credits. Well, thank you all for joining me to chat about uh, the new Dragonlance novel, Dragons of Deceit. I know it's been a while. We've been planning this for a while, and we all have different schedules that don't always line up the way we would like. But I I appreciate the three of you taking the time to chat with me and to record with me. And I thank everybody out there listening and enjoying Dragonlance Canticle podcast. And I hope that you all take our advice to heart about being kind to one another, being kind to the creators, and especially, especially being kind to the new incoming fans who are coming in with their hearts wide open and we want to greet them in in a way that is Respectful and kind and welcoming, and make them feel like Dragonlance is their world too.
3: Because it is.
2: It yes, is for sure. It's all of ours. We are. We are. We are all Dragonlance. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you again.
3: Have
1: a good night.